Welcome back to Manitobaville. Welcome back. We're running back through Manitobaville. Running back. Running back. We've been hanging out with, oh boy, who have we, let me just check this little list here. Who have you been hanging out with? Oh man, we've been hanging out. I gotta tell you, we've been hanging out with airship guys. We've been learning how to flies. We've been hanging out with alternative medias. We've been learning how to flank. We've been hanging out with poultry club folks. We've been learning how to get eggs. We've been hanging out with cowboy poets. We've been learning how to rhyme. We've been hanging out with history writers. We've been learning how to cook and and see what's going on in our communities from back in the day. We've been hanging out with the Earl of Orkneys. You know, we've been learning how to say my lord there. It doesn't rhyme, but that's a good little thing. I like that one. We've been hanging out with farmers. We've been learning about the crops. We've been hanging around with cross-country ski people. We've been learning about wax and skis and snow. Oh, we've been hanging around with ranchers. We've been learning about forage, proper foraging techniques. We've been hanging out with writers. We've been learning about history. We've been learning. We've been hanging around with chess chess masters, and we've been learning, learning how to make that. Uh, what, king, knight, or left one, hut kind of thing. Um, I'm just kidding, that's not a chess move. Don't ever do that in a tournament because it might not work out for you. We've been hanging around with guys who know how to run board meetings. We've been learning about gavels. We've been hanging around with ship's captains. We've been learning, learning, learning. You know, don't take a sharp ride on a narrow river because you might not enjoy the uh, having to get out of the bank. Uh, we've been hanging around with People who tell us how to live a better life. So we've been learning about that. We've been learning about calmness. We've been hanging around with prairie dodgers. We've been learning how to see the world differently. We've been hanging around with recording engineers. We've been learning how to get our stuff together. We've been learning like better sound, eh? Just a better sound all the time. So yeah, I've been really growing with that. And uh, sometimes less is more. Okay, remember that kids, less is more. Oh yeah. Okay. We've been hanging around science guys. We've learned about the world. And today we're hanging around with a city councilor from Brandon. And what that's going to lead us to is learning about is how to get along in a community, how to, how to take a position that the, some other people see as an authoritative role, but really show them that it's just a community role. And you're just another part of the community. You're just doing a function that needs to be done. And you're doing it in a way that's meaningful and fun and uh, to the benefit of all the community. So we're talking, of course, about Sean Cameron out of Brandon. He's the, let me just check this out, Ward 4 Counselor for Brandon, City of Brandon. And uh, yeah, Sean was great enough to come on the podcast and talk all about being a counselor in a, in a big city on the prairies. And uh, Brandon's a going concern, always has been. And uh, yeah, if you ever had a chance to spend time there with friends or family or go to an event, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's not just something you pass by on the old highway. It's somewhere you should stop in and, and say hello, for sure. Make some friends there. Make a friend in Brandon today and find a reason to get out there. You will not be disappointed. Okay, speaking of friends, you can uh, listen to us here. Uh, the Manitobaville podcast, of course, we're on your favorite podcatcher. All you have to do is tell your friends to search Manitobaville. They'll find us. They can uh, subscribe. They can follow. They can rate. They can review. You can find us on any of your favorite social medias. 
you can send us messages on those. Just look up Manitobaville. Just uh, give us a follow. Even if that's all you want to do, that just all adds up. It's great. You can see what we put up there when we put stuff up there. And uh, you can tell your friends all over the world. If you're all over the world, this is a worldwide kind of thing. Anybody can listen to podcasts all around the world. And we'd like to talk to people from all around the world that have uh, angles on Manitoba or sustainability or concepts of bettering their community. Because that's sort of what we're about, I guess. And, um, yeah, so anywhere in the world stories is what we're looking for. Go on our mantobaville.ca, go on our website, and you can send us suggestions through there. And you can give us a big fat donation and say, look, would you do mine first? Would you do my suggestion first? <laughs> Absolutely. But you remember, you're competing against other people giving us the old offers we can't refuse. So anyway, speaking of an offer we can't refuse, we're going to have an ad right away. And uh, we're going to get to that. But just a reminder that after the ad, we're coming back and we're going to be in conversation with Sean Cameron, Ward 4 Counselor for Brandon, Manitoba. Okay, see you on the other side. I enjoy listening to your products, so definitely I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, well, no problems. We like to talk to everybody, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's, yeah it's some, absolutely. For some reason, some people don't want to talk on here. <laughs> so, oh, like, well, yeah, no, I, uh, I like I say, I think it's it's great to great to be out there and telling stories. So, um, you know, and I, and I think you do a really good job of it. So, oh, thanks, thanks. And I, I look forward to learning a lot about what's going on. Down in your For neck sure. of the woods, yeah. Yeah, I used For to, sure. I lived in Brandon. I went to college there at 87 to 89. And, oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, no. you, so you, you went to ACC? Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome, yeah. yeah I, that's actually my day job. I work at Assiniboine Community College. So. Oh, really? What department? Yeah. I work actually with the Board of Governors there. So um, I've been, been with the college just coming up five years now. So. Oh, nice. What got you into that? Uh, I'd worked, uh, I'd worked in the education field for a number of years, uh, predominantly with, um, you know, uh, K to 12 system. Mm -hmm. Um, but when the opportunity came to sort of marry two of my, my sort of passions in, in education and, uh, and, uh, governance and, and, you know, sort of always had an interest in that, uh, it was a good opportunity to, to take on the role at ACC and, and haven't looked back. I've really enjoyed it. So. Nice. What, where did you teach? Uh, I actually, I worked as an educational assistant. I worked in um, what's called the student support program predominantly, okay. um, which are students that are, you know, coming off involvement with the youth justice system mm. or, um, you know, just trying to slow down sort of recidivism and, and having students, uh, you know, in and out of uh, challenging situations. So I worked as an educational assistant in that program for a number of years at, uh, at Vincent Massey high school in Brandon. So, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's interesting work because it does, it does so much more than, um, you know, putting, putting people in jail or youth facilities and things like that, where it seems to be an extension of the wrong kind of education. Yeah, absolutely. So much of it is just, um, you know, trying to find a way that, uh, you know, people that have been in and out of the the youth justice system are quite often just looking for a, a way to connect. 
Um, you know, so we were able to have a lot of them connect through youth sports. Um, you know, I coached football for a number of years at, at Vincent Massey as well. And, and that's something that I took great pride in, in the, in the fact that, you know, you could take a student that potentially was headed in the wrong direction and, and hopefully, you know, be meaningful in their life and, and see them head in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of those things that uh, people think, oh, that kid's bad, let's put him away. And it's, they don't look back into the history of the family where so many families have layers and layers of, of issues that, that sort of lead that way. You know, and I can see you going into sort of more mainstream politics because that's where it, you can help straighten a lot of that out moving forward. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason I, I wanted to to get involved is I think, you know, it's it's really important if you want to see uh, your community go a certain direction um, that you are, are willing to be out there and, and uh, you know, help steer and, and guide that direction. So that's you know, part of the reason that I got involved and, and ultimately too, you know, I'm, I'm a father of, of two young girls. So, um, I want to see them, you know, have a community that they feel is, is impactful and is, uh, you know, a place that they either want to call home or, you know, go away to school, but, but can always sort of come back and, and call Brandon home. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to get involved is, uh, you know, hopefully it, it does that for my kids as, as it would others in, in our city. Mm-hmm. So where's Ward 4? You're, you're the counselor for Ward 4 in Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. So Ward 4 basically is, is west of Brandon University. So we're, we run from 18th Street to 34th Street. Um, from the Assiniboine River uh, south to Victoria Avenue is is kind of the main part of the ward. Okay. And then there is a little bit of it um, encapsulates up to Park Avenue. So from 26th to 34th, we actually go south to Park Avenue. So it, it encapsulates that whole Vincent Massey uh, neighborhood as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's quite a big area. A lot of, is there a lot of diversity in that area, do you find? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're we're really fortunate in this area. We have a, a lot of really uh, long established uh, residents, and we also have a lot of newcomers and and new Canadians as well, which is exciting, right? It it, mm-hmm. it creates a lot of diversity in the area, um, and you know, one of the things that kind of attracted uh, you know my family to to settling in this area is I grew up here. I grew up about uh, four blocks from where I live now. Um, so, you know, I, it, it really felt like home, uh, when we were able to, uh, set up roots as a family here as well. It, uh, it was the same neighborhoods I was, uh, riding bikes on when I was a kid, right. That I'm now watching my kids do it. So it, it, it really, it really feels, uh, you know, it's close to my heart. Yeah. That, that familiarity, that long-term familiarity makes a place feel really secure and safe and, and it really sort of warms the heart, you know, when you move around in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it just, uh, it, it felt like the right time. And it it felt like that if I wanted to, uh, say that I had left an impact on, on my neighborhood, on my community, that that was the right time to get involved and, and, uh, you know, do something about it. So what's wrong with Brandon? Because I I've noticed over the decades, there's really no, um, problem areas in that city. Like downtown is, is full of uh, good operating strong businesses um, you know where the malls are that are spread out a little bit they they seem to be surrounded by good you know lots of working people really clean uh, neighborhoods yeah and you know even on the the east side 
Um, maybe, I don't know if that's the older first subdivisions that went up, but it just seems you, you go around Brandon and there's nothing, there's really nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a community I think that uh, everybody here takes a, a great deal of pride in. Um, you know, obviously, like any any city that's growing, we we face some growing pains and and obviously face some challenges as well. You know, um, unfortunately, Brandon isn't immune to uh, some of the challenges you know that have are faced with. Uh, you know, substance abuse issues and, and some of those bigger city issues, I guess you could call them. But, um, you know, for the most part, the community is very uh, driven. You know, we have a strong chamber of commerce. We have a strong, um, you know, social services available for people here. So I think uh, it, it sort of buoys our community and, and makes us um, a place that, you know, people want to continue to call home and and hopefully, you know, us on on council are are doing what we can to continue that, and and hopefully further a bunch of initiatives that uh, make Brandon a, a place, like I say, that people want to say is is home. Yeah, it's sort of like you, in my experience, the worst the worst elements you'd meet there is sort of like being in the Breakfast Club. <laughs> you, know, you come to place, absolutely you come to a place like winnipeg and it's a different movie you know it's in different yeah parts yeah absolutely town. um you know and that's that's probably one of the the real hallmarks of our city is is you know we're 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 big enough to feel big but small enough to feel small as well right yeah so it, we kind of um find that middle ground which i think is really enticing for people that are either looking from from moving away from the hustle and bustle of a big city to come to a community that is is really um you know driving some change but at the same time if you got somebody coming from a rural area that wants a little bit more of a city life mm. um brandon's a nice spot for that as well so we're we're really fortunate in that sense being in that sort of sweet spot as far as as size yeah when i moved when i moved there i guess it was fall of 87 and i stayed i uh, didn't have to stay in a dorm or anything i stayed with a family who was living there who had set up uh, roots in in brandon with their family who were from where I grew up and, um, and, and the, uh, she, the mother, she said, cause I wasn't going to school for a while. I think I was there a little early. So she said, okay, drive right. me to work. And it was across town. Uh, we we're in the East side. And so she said, drive me over to, I think it was Kmart or Zellers or somewhere. She, she was oh, working yeah. at the yeah. time. So way over on that side. And she says, "Now just take the car and just drive around. It's the best, easiest way. <laughs> to, yeah. To yeah, her. absolutely. So it took me maybe two days to, kind of get my bearings as it was. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 there's kind of a running joke all the time. We're five minutes to anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the city, you know, obviously since 1987 has, has grown quite a bit, mm -hmm. but, um, we're still, uh, we're still, like I say, that sort of five minute commute to anywhere, which, um, you know, is, is, is really nice as well, because there again, it gives you that, uh, sort of small town feel while also being an, an urban center. Well, it was a megatropolis for me coming off the farm and, and just hanging out <laughs> small towns and, uh, you know, going to Russell or Verdon was a big deal. It's like, oh, we're going yeah, to the big yeah. town and then Brandon, oh, we're going to Brandon, we'll get, you know, it's just, and then you'd be driven around by your parents. So it's like, you never really knew where you were and ooh, ah, and you go to places. Yeah, so to Absolutely. get so I, I think initially I was a little 
like oh really you're just gonna okay uh <laughs> she's like here's a map here's a card just and i was like yeah okay and then just drove around and drove around and, but, but i i I, re- <laughs> I remember as a kid that was always my experience with going to winnipeg right yes. oh winnipeg um, was anathema you know. <laughs> to it. we had an aunt here an uncle and it was like coming to winnipeg was just high speed driving through the city and oh wow blur it was just crazy, yeah, crazy stuff. Absolutely. I, I, I remember as a, as a kid, because obviously, you know, we'd, we'd come from Brandon to Winnipeg for a weekend or, or, you know, um, uh, my, my middle sister spent some time in, in the hospital when she was first born. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, Winnipeg always kind of existed as the, the stretch along Portage Avenue. Yeah. Um, yeah. so once I kind of realized that there was, there was, a lot of city on either side of that right Mm -hmm. um it was a really sort of eye-opening experience for a kid from a a small prairie city to to all of a sudden be you know navigating neighborhoods that are as big as the city of brandon right so yeah uh, it was it was a really uh it was it was that same culture shock as as you would have had coming in (laughs) you know 1987 to brandon so yeah and I guess now, like when you when you jump into politics, it's it's the same. Is it the same kind of feeling where now you have to navigate what makes a city work and what underpins all these these areas and how it all ties together? And you know, because politics isn't just oh, I stand for this or that. It's I stand for making sure you got a sewer that operates and water and the electricity runs to your house and you know programs in uh, in in the schools and uh, you know community spaces and all this and it's. That must be, is that disorienting for somebody when they first, uh, not even when you first run, but prior to that, when you're thinking about it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, um, you know, I was really fortunate when I first got on council, I had, uh, a couple of current council members and, and a couple of previous ones as well, kind of, um, you know, kept my eyes open to that in, in getting into the run. And, and they always kind of joke, you know, your first six months on city council is like drinking from a fire hose. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in, but, um, you know, the big thing that I, I sort of look at is, is ensuring on the back end, the one thing that you have to be most responsible for, um, are the, the necessity services that, you know, residents require and, and, you know, feel that their city needs to deliver. And, and I agree wholeheartedly, the city needs to deliver those well. So you're looking at critical infrastructure, you're looking at streets and roads, you're looking at sewers, you know, obviously Brandon had a, a significant rain event in June of last year that really challenged our drainage system. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the things in our recent budget deliberations we were really, really happy and proud to see is that we we uh, put a historic level of investment into improving drainage in the community. So um, it's, you know, the, a lot of those things. Did that put, from, a, uh, did that put a drain on your budget? <laughs> uh, no, we we were, we were actually we were actually pretty fortunate uh it's it's a bit of a rarity this year but you had a rainy uh, we actually yeah in a way yeah yeah in a, in a way for sure but yeah. we were actually able to um uh have a rollback budget this year so we actually reduced uh taxes by a percent oh nice um well well investing in a lot of these critical infrastructures so uh we were we were proud of that and and sort of what it 
you know, COVID being what it has, has really challenged uh, mm -hmm. a number of people nationwide and, and worldwide, right? So we wanted to ensure that going into it, we would still invest in these sort of critical needs in the community at the same time as, as um, you know, making sure that we were, we were improving the quality of life at the same time. So it was a really good balance, I think. But, you know, you look, you look at, uh, civic politics you don't often get into it's not sort of um as they say the sort of sexy big projects it's mm -hmm. you know making sure that the nuts and bolts of the city are taken care of and and you know i think this council that's been a a hallmark of our of our work is making sure that those nuts and bolts are 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 really um taken care of well How are your meetings run? Are they good good meetings? Uh, I just did an interview with a fellow, Brian Hayward, who's written a book on boardroom, uh, running a boardroom. Uh, board, For sure, board yeah. Board meetings and that. So I'm just curious, is your, is your experience overall there been really good? Yeah, absolutely. I know I know Brian Hayward's work with uh, the book, The Great Chair. Yeah, um, I should have you mentioned uh, greatchair.ca, yeah. by the way, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there we go for sure. Um, yeah, our, our, you know, civic government has a level of, um, you know, um, overlay that has to has to take place based on the municipal act but you know i think our our meetings are well run you know our, our mayor often talks about us being a a cordial council and and i think that's important you can disagree uh vehemently on topics or ideas but you know it's it's about being respectful to each other and and being respectful on behalf of your residents so um you know i think we're a very cordial council and the meetings show that right that we mm. we go in we we talk about what we need we hopefully move forward some initiatives but at the end of the day uh we're ultimately there for the same goal and and that's for the residents of the community nice so uh, the current mayor how long who for our listeners who is the mayor for sure, yeah. Uh, the mayor of Brandon is Rick Crest. Uh, Rick's been, this will be his second term as mayor, but he actually had, had been on council for a couple of terms. Uh, uh, would have been late 90s, early 2000s area as well. So uh, Rick definitely has a lot of... Um, experience you know in this realm is a is a local business person himself and and i think um you know we're we're really fortunate as a council that you know there again we do have that that cordial council where we we ensure that we're getting items you know talked about and done but uh we we approach each other respectfully so i think that's been a real hallmark of of our council and of uh rick and and his leadership yeah, and I think during my time in Brandon and then uh, I was off to Portage and then Winnipeg eventually, but always sort of knew people or, you know, was aware. I don't think I ever knew the mayor of Brandon. And I think that goes towards saying that it's, it's always been kind of just well run and there's never been any big upheavals or any big uh, thing. Has there been? Am I missing something? Or like historically through the, the century and a, what, but a century and a bit now, I guess Brandon's been there. Has there ever been any kind of political craziness that, that we can point to? Uh, you know, not not overly. I, I think um, leadership in this community has always sort of 
spoke to the the nature of our roots right um we're we're an egg-based community and um you know agriculture is so much that you just uh you put your shoulder to the wheel and you just get the job done right so mm-hmm. um it's it's not flashy politics by any means and i think that actually um speaks to who we are as a community right that we we're not out there to to seek it to be a a glory role we want to ensure that we're serving the residents as best we can so brandon's always kind of been that way um obviously you know in in history there's been you know some colorful characters that have filled that role or filled the the council roles Mm -hmm. um but ultimately you know i think that's indicative of any uh any city and in, in on the prairies especially right they you get some colorful characters but people approach the role solely from you know you put your shoulder down and, and you just work right and, yeah. and that's uh that's i think a, a hallmark of um you know what our what our community is yeah and it's like anytime you go to the brandon fair and, and you see the dignitaries and the representatives from government the various levels of government and they just seem it just seems normal and quiet that's uh you know, it's part of the, the ceremonial thing that happens and then on with the activities. But yeah, it just seems like everybody's just more interested in running the events or running the city and making making stuff happen properly as opposed For to sure. sticking out or somebody knowing their name or, or face if if they're not working with them. Like it's they don't want the average person to say that's so and so or you know, there they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I I think uh, I've always kind of thought of it myself that Brandon has a silent pride. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um and that we don't often you know, maybe there's times that we should sell ourselves a little bit uh more, you know, bombastically or or, you know, that's try the, and be that's out what there the more. Are for, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. right? Go and, but go and rep we've us. all yeah. Yeah, we've always been that sort of we we have a quiet pride in our community. And and I think um, that's evident in, in, like you say, those events where, you know, the the volunteer bases that drive events like the provincial exhibition mm-hmm. or the winter fair or, you know, the, the Wheat Kings for that matter or any of those sort of entities. They just have that sort of quiet humbleness about how they approach the role and and ultimately you know i think it it serves our our city well and and you know we often we take pride in events that we host and you know we've been a a curling mecca for a number of years and and have hosted like world curling events and scott tournaments of hearts and the briar a couple of years ago um you know the volunteer basis that drive that are are the the ducks feet underneath the water right they're going 100 mile an hour but on top it just looks smooth and and composed exactly hey the keystone center is that does that have a different name uh elements of the keystone center too the uh the whole keystone center itself is still just the the keystone center but um westoba place is the uh the main hockey arena okay and then there's the uh westoba center for egg uh Westoba Center of Excellence, I think, is the the tag, but it's kind of the um, horse show barns and the uh, the barns to the far north end of the Keystone. There's there's okay. a number of naming rights within the building as well, but it still is the the Keystone Center, and and it's a real it's a real gem and and ultimately probably one of the best venues in in Western Canada, if not Canada, for for egg um, related events. 
yeah, and the branding that comes along with retaining keystone center is so key to that. Um, did sorry pun. Uh, I just realized <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I, I I love it. But, I love it. That's great. But West Toba, like that's a company, obviously. So do these naming rights actually like help that much that it's worth? Like I know in Winnipeg here, they had the Winnipeg Stadium forever. Is the is the stadium, the stadium, the stadium. Whenever it moved and all that, and now it's yeah. Now it's something else. And and whenever a, a corporation puts their name on things, I can never actually remember or keep up because so many cities change their naming the naming rights and around and and it just becomes disorienting. So does that, what does that put into the budget? Like that kind of impact to sell somebody naming rights to a building that's kind of iconic and and known worldwide already. Like, and what were the politics around that, I guess? Yeah. I'm not sure a hundred percent what the dollar value is on them. Um, but as far as recognition in a, in a community brand and size, uh, you know, I think they they do get good bang for their buck, right? Um, in the sense that, you know, people, especially with the Wheat Kings, right? You you look at the Wheat Kings on an on an average year, obviously not on a on a COVID year. Mm-hmm. You're looking at thirty five to. 50 nights a year depending on whether they go deeper into the playoffs that that people are attending a venue that's that's full in with your name on it right so yeah. uh, i think there is some some real value there um and then i i think also too it looks at you know people are are driving by the keystone center and seeing that west oba name on there or seeing you know myers norris penny's name in inside in one of the rooms and are thinking you know those are really good community stewards and and people that are are reaching out to support a venue like that in their community which i think is is really key as well what is west oba uh, Westoba is actually a credit union in Brandon. It's a it's a local bank. Uh, they have, I want to say, a little over a dozen branches in the in the area. Um, you know, there's one, two, uh, three branches in Brandon, but they have a number in like Carberry. Um, uh, you know, lo- lots of smaller communities around here as well. But yeah, it is a local credit union. Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay, so um, yeah, well, of course, COVID knocked out a lot of big things. The biggest one probably was the winter fair, and the summer fairs that happened. So yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and and I, it's it's interesting. I'm you know we're sitting here today talking. I'm wearing my Save the Fairs T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's one that's really, you know, has been a real impact on our community both from a financial standpoint for the provincial exhibition, but also from a mental standpoint, right? That mm-hmm. um, there again, it's so ingrained in who we are that in missing those events this year, um, or sorry, in 2020, and obviously the provincial exhibition, the winter fair this year as well, yeah. has really- That's uh, two years in a row, eh? Yeah, 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 has really sort of had a had a psychological effect on the community. So, um, you know, we're we're hopeful through fundraisers like the Save the Fairs, or I know they have another fundraiser launched right now with a great name. It's called the Love of Fair, oh, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a great name. And uh, you know, obviously, a fair as it being an A space F A I R as in mm-hmm. uh, Love Affair. Um, I love a but fair. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a great way to you know keep them 
in the in the public eye, but also to ensure that they have enough sort of um, operating cap- capacity to mm-hmm. be able to continue to provide these events. You know, you look at the Winter Fair itself, like last year would have been the 50th year of it being a royal mm-hmm. Winter Fair, right? Like that it was actually um, through royal assent that they were given by by the queen to be a royal fair. So yeah. it's a real sense of pride in the community. And, is, and is, we that defin- number, is that number on hold then? So the next fair that happens will be the 50th? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm hopeful, right, that they uh the next time that we gather, you know, obviously we'll be in 2022 now. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that they'll they'll be able to go all out and, and really celebrate that that'd that be a real 50th homecoming, anniversary. Right? Yeah, that'd yeah. be a real a real high point for the community and the and the province. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, so many communities are like that right now. We're just waiting, obviously, with, you know, that the tremendous advancements in in medical and and health right now. But Mm -hmm. we're just waiting for for somebody to to wave that flag and say, yeah, you got a green light, because I think communities like ours are are just um, can't wait to again connect in that way. It's it's so important to to who we are that it's it's important that we uh once that green light you know it's going to be foot to the floor for for a lot of initiatives in the city yeah that'll be a huge smile on everybody's face and and, absolutely they'll be willing to bend into that one so so with covid then how how is i know we keep getting updates like from the province and they they keep saying oh winnipeg region this region south region and then they say it was a parkland Region? Uh, Prairie Mountain Health. Prairie Mountain Health, right. And yeah. uh, and I was curious. I'm like, well, that's, that's a, where's that exactly? And I looked at, you know, looked it up. And of course it goes from where Roblin or somewhere all the way down to Boise Vane and, and, uh, yeah. and all over. The, and I was like, well, that's a, that's a huge area. Like if, if something's happening in Brandon, it's not necessarily happening in Dauphin or Boise Vane. So, yeah. So how do you guys deal with that kind of thing? That, that, that idea that it's just, this major land coverage well definitely you know you look at uh, a number of years ago where um you know the provincial government looked at a lot of sort of amalgamation of uh health regions or rural municipalities or that sort of thing right so you do run into that issue now where you know the prairie mountain health region runs pretty well to swan river uh, all the way, like you mentioned, down to Boisevain, right? That's mm-hmm. a massive area of land to cover. Um, so, you know, we're we're just cognizant and, and have, you know, at least in the city of Brandon, have always kind of approached it that um, we need to, to follow fully those health directives and, and as much as possible. I know it's, it's created some tremendous challenges, but, um, you know, hopefully... Uh, hopefully I always kind of say we're in the third quarter of this game now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that we'll be in a, in a position to be, you know, moving out of this pandemic time sooner rather than later, but definitely, you know, Prairie Mountain Health is a, is a massive area when you consider it, you know, compare it even to like the Winnipeg health region. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, definitely the population's greater there, but you know, ultimately it's, it's a lot of ground for, for people to cover. So, you know, a case might come up in, in Dauphin, for example, and, and Dauphin's still an hour and a bit North of here. Right. So, um, it maybe doesn't have the same, you know, psychological impact, but, you know, I think, uh, we had a, a real sort of blip in numbers, 
uh, in the Prairie Mountain Health Region and more specifically in Brandon, uh, early fall in, into early winter there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Brandon really proved at that t- that point, you know, that you hunker down, you kind of, as we always do, you get through it, right? You just mm-hmm. find a way to to carry on and, and move on. And I think uh, the city itself and, and the whole region did a good job of, of driving that number down and, and hopefully putting us in a better position to protect our seniors and protect people that are most vulnerable in the, in the region. Yeah. And it, it, actually this whole event has reminded me of just nothing more than living on the farm and going out once a week to town to get groceries and stuff. Yeah, where a lot of other people are like, oh, I I gotta go to the mall. I gotta be able to go for coffee. I gotta you know support a, a whatever restaurant or movies. And I was just thinking, wow, this is like, this could be your life <laughs> in danger. You yeah, know, so. absolutely. You know, and but, and but, uh, yeah. So it just showed me the difference in like how people have have gotten used to life or what they grew up with. And but, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, you look at like our, our, our business community and, and the business community throughout the province has, uh, has really, you know, taken the brunt of a lot of this, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, business and healthcare have sort of, you know, led the way as far as the challenge, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we're, we just have to be really cognizant, I think, as a, as a city or as a province, that when this is all said and done, that we are out there and, and supporting these businesses to, you know, the greatest extent possible. And also at the same time, thanking every healthcare worker that is, has really come through for, you know, the region for the province, right? Like, you know, I often think of I, I don't often like the war analogy of it, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, you often think of, you know, the sacrifices that people made during, you know, the first world war, during the second world war, during any sort of conflict Canada has, has been involved in. Mm-hmm. And you think of those sacrifices and that's how I've sort of hopefully uh, put it together for my family or, or people that I interact with is, is this is our generation's opportunity to, you know, step up and and sacrifice um so we just got to make sure that we're really cognizant when it's all over that we pour our support into these places that have really led the way in in meeting the challenge yeah and it's sort of like the wars used to be over there and now it's it's almost like it's come to us absolutely it's it's on the home front now right so and it's in a different form it's not people with guns running around with a different uniform it's this invisible enemy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I am definitely thankful for uh, you not not having the people running around uh, in uniform, but at the same time, the people wearing the uniform now are are doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. healthcare workers, and and uh, you know I I uh, my my wife my wife works in healthcare, and and I think every day you know I we owe a tremendous uh, debt of gratitude to those folks for you know meeting the challenge head on and, and like I say, being, you know, diligent in how they've approached it. Yeah. How has it affected the business community then like restaurants, like what kind of businesses it affects most is uh, like where people go to, to use the product like restaurants and. Um, yeah, def- you know, definitely. Like but how has it, how has it impacted Brandon? Like with the restaurant industry, for example, have they been able to support themselves just using their kitchens? 
Uh, you know, it definitely, it's affected the staff a lot, you know, staffing numbers in all the restaurant industry across the province, but mm -hmm. especially in Brandon as well, have been severely impacted. Um, you know, our our restaurants were really um, innovative in how they approach, you know, curbside delivery or, you know, getting food to people. And, and you know, I think uh, locally our, our residents have stepped up as well in, you know, making sure that you're supporting a small business or supporting a franchisee that, you know, even though if they have a big name like a franchise, there's still local people that are working there and local people that are often owning it or mm -hmm. running it, right? So right. Um, I think they've adapted pretty well. Um, I think from as a whole, though, you know, this has been the most challenging year for the business community. Um, I think, you know, that the Chamber of Commerce has done really well in, in sort of keeping the voice out there. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the ones that do survive to the end of this are going to need to rely on our support uh, to make sure that they they continue to, to you know, make gains because they they have so much loss to make up for so we we have to make sure that we're out there and and supporting them to make those gains again and are, are some able to go like if they can't function can they go dormant and possibly come back when when they can open again or is that sort of a ship that sails when it gets to a certain point yeah, I think, you know, some of them have uh, gone dormant and, you know, by way of the orders, some of them like the provincial health orders, uh, some of them just even looking at their own business model and, and how they uh, need to approach the the near term and, and the long term. Right. But, um, you know, ultimately they still have rent to pay they often still have staff to manage in in one way, shape or form. Right. So, mm -hmm. um you know, it still it creates a really challenging environment, no matter no matter how you look at it. So it's just important and key that we are we are there on the back end to, um, you know, lift their sails with wind. Well, uh, you know, when the time's right. Yeah. When's your next election? Uh, so that we're kind of halfway through our term right now. So our next election will be the the fall of uh, 2022. Okay, so you're you're starting your fundraising now and all that, eh? You're kicking in. <laughs> um, not, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, not uh, quite yet. Um, you know, I the the one thing like I say with municipal politics as well is your your fundraising limits are pretty low generally. So, yeah. um, you know, we're really thankful, and I was really thankful for you know the number of folks that come up and said, hey, you know here's 20 bucks towards what you're doing and, and, you know, hopefully it buys a sign or mm -hmm. hopefully it buys a, a pamphlet or to be able to, to get out there. You don't need a ton of, uh, ton of money fundraising wise to run in municipal politics, but at the same time, you know, to, to, to make sure as much as possible, you're getting your name and your ideas out there is so key. Right. So, uh, we definitely, you know, I'm, I'm always happy for, for the person that says, yeah, here's, like I say, here's $20 that can hopefully go towards, um, you know, you know, furthering what you're doing. And, and hopefully that also shows that, yeah, they support, uh, what you're working towards and, and what you're saying out there. Is it competitive? How many did you run against? Like you, this, is your second term you're serving. Uh, this is my first term. Oh, first actually. term. Okay. Um, so yeah. So 
most most times uh, the municipal pol political realm here is pretty competitive. Um, last time I I was able I ran in in a contested election, so I did have somebody I was running against. Mm -hmm. um, and of the uh, the ten wards in the city, I think um, all but two of them, if I remember correctly, were contested elections. So there was at least one other person running against, you know, an incumbent or, or that case. So I think that's good too, right? I mm -hmm. think that, um, you know, shows that people are, are engaged and empowered in their, in bettering their city. And, and I give full marks and credit to anyone that, um, you know, runs in an election. It's not a, it's not an easy undertaking, both for the individual and the family, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it becomes a family affair, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, 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 I was very, there's, a good, there's you know, a good slogan for a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was very, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for anybody that puts their name forward for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you have aspirations then? Is this a grounding, like a, a starting point for or higher expectations for yourself you know what i'm i'm definitely i'm happy kind of at the level that i'm at right now um i honestly i would never say never right i think uh you know i i ultimately like i say where i'm at with my my career and my family right now this is a really good level to be able to serve at uh someday down the road you know i i i may be interested in looking and expanding my my service and and what i'm doing for the community but uh i think right now i'm i'm really happy at this this level and and you know hopefully in two years time, if everything goes well, that, you know, I'll still be able to, to serve in this fashion. If, uh, if the, you know, electorate so choose that, uh, they want me to continue serving. So. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, is there political factions in civic politics to the extent there is in provincial or federal? No, you know, and I think that's probably one of the greatest things with civic politics is um, there's no party system mm -hmm. with civic politics. It's, uh, you know, you're bringing your own ideas and your residents' ideas to the table. And I think that that actually, you know, not being partisan actually allows you to get more work done. Um, you know, the, the partisan realm, be what it may, creates uh, uh, an ingrained animosity between political parties that I don't think exists at a, at a municipal level. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, that's one of the reasons that really attracted me to municipal politics was the fact that, you know, it's, it's you out there on a, on a, on a limb sometimes. Right. But it's, it's you out there and it's your ideas and it's your residents' ideas. And, uh, you know, you find a way to work together and, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully do something that, that betters the city. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the challenges that, you know, provincial governments and federal governments, uh, see is, you know, the partisan system gets in the way mm -hmm. of actual progress. Sometimes it can also sweep in a lot of dum-dums just based on the color <laughs> of their thing, or it can push a dum-dum <laughs> leader into, you know, if a lot, right, of, a right. lot of the party members are smart, but your leader's like, or oh, whatever. Like that, right. it's a snowplow and you get what you get. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think to a certain extent, uh, 
party politics has found a way to kind of weed those people out. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I, sorry, sorry, my fellow counselor, I have to, I, I, I have to interject I, here I, and challenge you on that statement. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that they do, uh, you know, they, they, they do find a way to weed them out. And if they don't, then the electorate finds a way, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes you know, too late. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or sometimes but, uh, right on time too. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. It, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that the, the partisan system, you know, is, is designed for, uh, the type of government it's at. But I often think, like I say, at a municipal level, you can get more done because you're, you're right at the, at the fingertips of the, the residents you're serving. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, ultimately it's, it's not a, a, party that's responding when somebody phones and says they have an issue with their back lane or whatever it's me mm -hmm. picking up the phone and it's me stopping by and and i think that you know both holds me to account as a as a as a local member mm -hmm. but it also gives the resident the the feeling like they're they're being heard and and quite often what they're bringing forward as a, as a question or an issue is a hundred percent on point. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, partisan politics often makes that a lot trickier to, to accomplish. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to, to be at this level and, and, you know, continue to serve at this level. Yeah. I'm an advocate for just getting rid of party politics at all levels, because I think when somebody says, Oh, I'm voting for an MLA, they should be looking at four bright people or five bright people or 10 or two or whatever it is who want to right. stand and say, okay, who's, who's the brightest one who can deal with stuff, who can represent our, our area, knows our area and can get along with all the other independent people who are going to be in that forum and, and then voting that way and then allowing them flexibility on issues moving forward For sure. and letting a body of smart people deal with things in a, in a, in a smart way and uh, not necessarily they have to be overeducated or anything or carrying a lot of degrees or whatever, but just, just real people who understand. And, you know, because I, I don't know, I just, I just think when somebody runs on a platform that's handed to them by somebody in a different geographic location, and you got to go and sell that to people, it really hampers that person is handcuffing them from the get go. And, and like you say, yeah, if I'm, if I'm a liberal supporter and I got a conservative rep and I phone in to, to say, you know, there's an issue with the part of town or whatever. And they're like, yeah, well, you're registered, whatever. We're not going to do that. You know, and it's like, well, right. it actually helps other conservative people who live, you know, behind me or something, you know, but yeah, it just gets yeah. in the way. And it's, and even the policies that come down are, you know, it, it creates high levels of embitterment at times when it really doesn't need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that and that's one of the sort of, uh, you know, tragic faults, I guess you could say, in a way, in the partisan system, is that um, you end up with uh, members that maybe have some great ideas um, and have some really sort of empowering and impactful ideas, mm -hmm. but they're hampered by a, a, a party line, right? That that you know potentially. It, maybe they have a great idea, but it doesn't meet the party's line as far as an idea. So mm -hmm. I think they're, they're, you know, unfortunately muted a little bit in that sense. Right. Um, yeah. Or, you know, or you're uh, impacted by worldwide uh, a viral pandemic 
And yeah. Dr. John Gerard has to sit over in the corner and hold his tongue because he doesn't wear the right colors and, and they can't possibly listen to him because that would set some kind of weird precedent of listening to somebody who's not even in a recognized party. Oh my God. And, oh, we can't have that, you know? So, right, so thank, right. thank you well, for talking to us, Mr. Gerard, but we're just going to ignore yeah. <laughs> you for my political future. Thank you very much. Who cares about the population? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think, um, I think every, every party and, and, uh, you know, in the legislature, for sure, can can learn a great deal from Dr. Gerard. I, I, I have a, you know, a, a long time personal relationship with Dr. Gerard as well. And, and uh, have have spent some time in in past, I was a member of the, the Manitoba Liberal Party, I'm, I'm nonpartisan now, just mm -hmm. because of my approach, but mm -hmm. I have a tremendous amount of respect, respect for Dr. Gerard, you know, I think he's, um, He's one of those people that has has really, uh, you know, bucked the trend as far as you know. He's he's been kind of on his own for a little while, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know, he's a he's a tremendously well respected member of the legislature, and and obviously was a very accomplished uh, physician prior to that. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think uh, there's there's always room in any level of government to hear from all voices. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where, you know, someone like a Dr. Gerard has a really, uh, really good voice on it. And I think, you know, um, you know, speaks from the heart and, and speaks in that way that, uh, you know, it's, it's good, good to listen to all voices in the, in the system, no matter what political stripe they come from. Exactly. Yeah. You, and you never know what you're going to hear either with anybody who gets up to to speak on a on a topic or a subject or concern? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, word four. So that includes uh, Brandon University. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, is it? I heard recently that Suds is it was it called Suds the the pub in there? Yeah, I heard it closed. Yeah, it's it's been closed and I hold for... you, sir, responsible as a representative for Ward Four. What's going on? And the university yeah. doesn't have a pub. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been closed for a few years. Unfortunately, I uh, I uh, I kind of joke. I've I've spent a few minutes in there myself over the years, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, um, was never a, a Brandy University student, but uh, definitely spent some time in Suds. And and you know, I'm hopeful that somewhere down the road that they. Uh, they see their way to, um, you know, making that a student space again, that's, that's open as of right now, you know, everything's kind of, uh, shuttered in, in one way, shape or form. But, um, yeah, I spent some, uh, a couple of good evenings in, in suds, uh, way back when, as they say. So yeah. was there an earmark you can stick onto some COVID bill or something that would uh, <laughs> see that regenerated? Cause my God, yeah. my God. we'll have to, uh, we'll have to, uh, reach out to Dr. Doherty there at, uh, Brandy University and and their students union as well and see uh see what we can get going there because um you know it, it's it's uh you know working in post-secondary it's part of that uh yeah. overall student experience right that yeah. you know you you have as a social aspect to being a a post-secondary student so um you know that that just plays into that overall student experience for sure yeah because i hope i hope things haven't changed that much like with the generation y z x or millennials and all that because <laughs> it's just yeah yeah I, I i second what you say it's a part of the experience and and it's a part of of 
of a safe place where you can have a beer to too within the uh the system of the university or that yeah you know that community yeah. um and the the interesting thing with suds too is there was also there was always kind of a uh kind of social culture of it as well that you know it was where students and faculty and outsiders to the university world all kind of came together right mm -hmm. and uh it was really that sort of melting pot of ideology and and then you throw in some of the you know great music that was happening there back mm -hmm. in the day right i i sound old now my kids <laughs> would say i'm sounding old saying back in the day yeah. but you know well, it, it you was could, such if a... you could recreate that experience for them and stick them in there they'd go oh yeah this is great you know <laughs> yeah that, yeah you know, they don't know what they're missing like and I think a lot of the students there in these last couple of years who are new to the university or, or they don't really understand what, what that gap represents. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think, uh, in, in normal times, I guess you could say if they're, if they were such a thing, but, uh, <laughs> a lot of the local, uh, local establishments really um took on that quasi university bar feel right mm -hmm. um which i think was was beneficial but uh yeah definitely I, I spent a few minutes there back in the back in the day and and like i say the one thing that always stands out to me was the music you know you had blues musicians and jazz musicians and some new music that you know at the time i thought to myself what is this right like it yeah. didn't it didn't make any sense but now that you know you're a little bit older and you look back and you think wow they were kind of on the cutting edge of um you know music and culture and that sort of sort of whole scene at the time which uh you know i i think is is missed in so many of our interactions right now right we miss really those is, yeah. those yeah. people to person to person interactions right so yeah and brandon was a i i found I think Brandon was more interesting to me than Winnipeg ever, ever has been. Um, minus like the permanent kind of things they have here, like the, the symphony orchestras and the whatnot, but they do get out there. And so there's, there's all that experiences and the plays and, and the high end uh, entertainments and that. For sure. It's the first place um, that I, like I heard the sex pistols when I went to college, I had a friend Ian Morris who had an old two door Buick and a, and a stack of tapes mixtapes yeah. that he made in on the bench seat in between and we'd drive around in the fresh snow and he'd play me stuff and I'd be like oh this stuff I kind of know this I this I don't know what is this and he'd, he'd sort of give me a, an education and in, in music a better one than I think I've, I've gotten anywhere else and yeah uh, yeah you, you know and you're meeting other out of uh, a college instructor uh, Bob Simmons who who was oh, an yeah, audio absolutely total audiophile yeah. and I'm like wow okay you know and, and you're you're just learning and and then you can go over to the Keystone Center and get your feet dirty in the horse muck if you want, you know, and yeah. talk to, to some other down to earth people. And you can yeah, go downtown absolutely. and find somebody who's running a bookstore who's like, hey, you got to read this or read that. And you're introduced to just a, an array of things. And of course, when you're going to college, that's the right time, I think, too, is because you're kind of frustrated coming from the outer boroughs where you're not getting that stuff in the system or school system or the, you know, there's no bookstores in towns and things like that. And so yeah. you're sort of at the right moment where it's exciting and you're being inundated with all kinds of different uh, information experiences. And yet the town is, is big enough yet small enough to, to have that in. And, um, there's a Keystone yeah. bar still open across from the Keystone center. 
Uh, yeah. Well, not right now, obviously, but, no. uh, yeah, it is, it is open as well, but yeah, you, you, yeah. you mentioned, um, you know, so much that sort of cultural entity. And, and one of the things through council that I do get to do is, is we serve on a number of boards and committees in the city. So I'm actually, uh, uh, last year was appointed the chair of the Western Manitoba Centennial Auditorium Board. Oh, nice, nice. And, uh, you know, the WMCA, much like the Keystone, is one of those sort of cultural hallmarks in our community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I look at it and I just don't think as a city we can support entities like that enough, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're so integral to... Um, the the sort of overall social well-being of a community that you know you have like you mentioned that that sort of avant-garde uh band playing at 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 a local pub Mm -hmm. and then you have two blocks down the road you have like you say in the dirt at the keystone for the winter fair Mm -hmm. and then you can go and see the you know the touring symphony at the wmca or a local play with you know really talented actors and singers that are are the you know the the shopkeepers and the and the you know people working in retail and all that like just so much talent in our city and and i love you mentioning the the story about the sex pistols and and riding around in the car yeah i can definitely i can say it was an old buick as well yeah um but i i had an old buick car and my friend and i used to drive all over brandon uh uh, Scott Kukerutz and he's actually out and he was working in the film industry in Vancouver now. Oh, nice. Um, but we used to drive around Brandon listening to Radiohead all the time. So yeah. same sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, Radiohead or, or even later, like Modest Mouse or bands like that, right? That, um, mm-hmm. you know, Tragically Hip and, mm-hmm. and you know, I dating myself a little bit, but Nirvana and those yeah. type of things, right? That those, those um, memories and that sort of time in your life is so it's, it's burned in like a branding iron in your brain. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I think back so fondly of that and I think of, you know, the next generation and how can we create those same experiences for them where, you know, they'll think back 20, late 20 years from now and say, man, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, so I, I love the story of the sex pistol. So that's great. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Those type of experiences are so, so indicative of youth. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's one of the things that we, we as, you know, as I get older, I always have to be cognizant of is, you know, that I don't become the person that's saying, you know, oh, it's just, it's the, it's the issue with the kids today. Right. Like, because at one point I was one of those kids today. Right. So I always got to kind of keep that in the back of my mind that, you know, how my, my daughters or their friends are approaching the world now is so different from what, I did, but they still have a lot of the same experiences, right? So, um, yeah. just I always got do, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, so I, I, yeah. I, I always have to be cognizant that of that as a parent that you know, um, they, that I'm not too hard on on those experiences because I I was in that same same role, you know, cruising around town in a car listening to mm-hmm. music, right? Like that's just. That's just so, yeah. so prairie and that's so us, right? Like, 
Yeah. And having that little greasy spoon or coffee shop to end up at here and there. And yeah, absolutely. You know. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. After, well, after the bar closed or whatever the case may be. Right. So yeah, exactly. You know, you gotta have all those hijinks. I won't tell you what they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the, uh, the, the, whatever the law running out after so long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Statute of limitations. Eh? Yeah, so, yeah, thank, yeah. Thank God. But, um, Oh uh, yeah, because when we were when we were in high school and stuff, and the, and we'd go in to see, uh, well you well we would see in the city here as the big plays like at um MT MTC they were they were staged at in in Brandon at yeah. the um uh, WMC what's the acronym WM yeah and yeah. and it was like for us that was like being you know you could have been in New York or Paris or London or Winnipeg or anywhere like those were that was high culture and we were witnessing high culture events and um it was yeah it was just really good you know? for sure for sure yeah, yeah. i'd uh i got involved in the sort of theater world uh back in high school um you know i my friends and i were always just kind of those theater geeks right and mm -hmm. uh so we got involved in high school had a really uh great teacher in in george beery who actually lives in winnipeg now um you know had a really good drama teacher in that sense and he kind of gave us sort of free reign to explore the theater world and all that so after i graduated from high school i got involved in the community theater uh which george ran a a, a company called seven ages productions in brandon um okay. And I was involved, uh, you know, for a good decade after high school in the community theater world. And and there is just an obscene amount of talent that yeah. comes out of there that, you know, yeah. I always think that like these people are so talented. They're just one break away from, you know, making mm -hmm. it right. Like I, I look at um, uh one one young guy that was in the theater when when i was involved and and he was just a kid at the time is a, a guy named catlin matheson um okay. and catlin matheson now performs uh his his trade name i guess you could say is okay man um okay and he's uh he's just like an insanely talented performer and i can remember him as like a six-year-old kid and saying man like this kid's you know He's just waiting for that break, right? Like he he could go somewhere right now, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so it's really neat now to see him and you know, he's traveling everywhere and he's he's performing, he's he's just on the cusp, right? And you think mm -hmm. to yourself like that was homegrown talent. That was somebody yeah. from Brandon, Manitoba that grew up on whatever it be McDermott Drive and mm -hmm. you know, went and to, had opportunity yeah, yeah and had opportunity to do that and i think yeah. that's so important that you know as a city again that we look at at investing in those opportunities because um you know it's it's like a person playing sports right mm -hmm. the the actual number of people that'll end up taking it somewhere and playing in the nhl or playing in the cfl or whatever is mm -hmm. small but yeah. the the lessons that people learn out of those, whether it being involved in sport or being part of theater or being a, in a choir or whatever the case may be, the lessons about, you know, we're playing for your teammates, the lessons about, you know, making mm -hmm. sure that you're accountable and that you're on time and that you put an effort in and all that those are intangible skills that they'll take anywhere in life if they mm -hmm. never 
sang another note or played another down. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's really important and key. And, and as a city, we need to foster that in any way we can. Right. Because those are our next generational leaders. You're here. Yeah. (laughs) You're here. Yes. You know what, on that note, um, I'll let you go, uh, to keep being a good community leader and, (laughs) and work hard and uh, see us through this pandemic and all of this, the good stuff and the restart, which is going to probably be, yeah, I'm sure you're all looking forward to that and just going, that's going to be a mind numbing, a lot of work as well, getting everything re restarted up and, and activated again while still keeping an, a wary eye on COVID and, uh, and, you know, minding the lessons we've all learned and trying to, trying to find the, what the new future looks like. But hopefully it does include driving around, listening to music because, because <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we all need. Absolutely. In times. Absolutely. Meantime well, and in between time. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity, you know, uh, any opportunity to talk about, uh, the pride I have in the city and, and the pride that I think our residents have in, in our, our great city, um, is key. So I, I really appreciate the call today and, and the opportunity to chat with you. Okay. Next time I'm in, I'm in Brandon, when everybody can gather again, we I can solve, I can, uh, solve three things with one, one action. And, uh, hopefully I can go to, uh, to meet Alex Smith, who I, um, no, Alex Murray, sorry, from the Brandon Knights chess club. Oh yeah. Uh, good to get down there and see a chess, chess afternoon on one of their Saturdays yeah. at the university. I can maybe, uh, play you in a game of chess there. And, that that uh, would be awesome. You know, because <laughs> I don't want either of us to have to play against some kid who's going to just wipe us off the board. <laughs> yeah, make, I'm, I'm afraid he'd make short work of me, that's for sure. But uh, I would welcome that opportunity 100%. Awesome. And then hopefully we could all go for a beer at Suds after. There we go. So- <laughs> sounds like a great plan. Okay, so thank you so much to Sean Cameron. That was Sean Cameron, Ward 4 Counselor for Brandon, Manitoba. You're listening to Manitobaville, of course. This is Mahangel, etc., etc., etc. Find us on all your favorite podcatchers and social medias. Just look up the old word Manitobaville. You can do it. Not a problem. Okay, good to have you on board. Good to have your friends on board. A big welcome to anybody who's listening. Okay, we're going to try and get around and uh, see things in the community this summer. And um, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, we've been uh, we've been looking forward to that after COVID. So we're going to try and do that this year. All right, so tell your friends all about that. Okay, so thank you. Uh, now we're going to go off. We're running. We're running, 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 running back somewhere. I don't know where yet, but uh, when we get there, we'll let you know for sure. Okay, so thank you for listening to the Manitobaville podcast. I'm Angel, and uh, we're copyright 2022 by Rodeo Road Studios. Mm-hmm.